Welcome to the Connect with County Leaders podcast, a monthly opportunity to meet and connect with Fairfax County leaders, to learn about the latest county news and information, and hear more on specific Fairfax County programs and services. Now here's your host, Jim Person, with this month's guest. Hello, and welcome to Connect with County Leaders. Today we're joined by Rachel Flynn, Deputy County Executive for Fairfax County. She was appointed to her position by the Board of Supervisors effective February 4th, so she's had a couple of months to get acclimated, and we appreciate her being with us here today to talk about what she's learned and is learning about life in Fairfax County government. Now, she has 35 years of experience in both private and public organizations as an architect, urban planner, director of planning, building, economic development, and as a real estate development executive, and she comes to Fairfax County from Google, where she was the Director of Design Management, Planning, and Entitlements. Prior experience, uh, Vice President of Five Point Communities, also governmental experience, uh, serving in positions in Lynchburg, Richmond, Oakland, California, as well as working abroad in Abu Dhabi. Definitely a wide range of experience, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Rachel, if I can call you that, welcome. Thanks, for, thanks Jim. It's great thanks to be here. Absolutely. Connect with county leaders, and you are now one of them. Yes, indeed. It's an <laughs> so, honor. Since February 4th. Yep, hadn't almost been, two months. Hadn't it's been very long. Seven weeks, yeah. two but days, counting? and three hours. <laughs> <laughs> what What have you learned in this short time already? Uh, it's a very healthy and stable county, mm. I would say. People mm. are very welcoming, really helpful. They've made me feel right at home. Wow. And there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. Um, worked in a variety of places where each has its own flavor or tenor. Yeah, yeah. And here it, it there is a, a calmness and um, real civility, I would oh, say. That's a nice thing. That's a good That's good to hear. Yeah. Oakland was a little more animated. Some okay. council meetings were like football rallies. <laughs> so coming here, I'm like, I'll, I'll take civility. It's right, very nice. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you mentioned past experience. Uh, a couple of uh, jurisdictions here in Virginia. Um, that early in your career? No, I practiced architecture in the private sector for 12 years after um, college, and I was in New York City, Boston, got to to go to Toronto to work on a big hospital up there, and then came back to D.C. and was interested in the bigger picture of how cities develop and Mm. evolve rather than designing one building at a time. So I went back to school, got a master's in public policy with a focus on urban development, housing, and transportation. And uh, Lynchburg was advertising. And uh, it was funny. I had a friend. I lived in Paris for a year. You you left that out, Jim. That was a really important part. I'm sorry about that, yeah. (laughs) After college in between. Wow. I had a good time. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Um, And a good friend of mine was a journalist there. uh, And she was from Lynchburg, Virginia. And I said, well, Van Hope was from Lynchburg. You know, must be a great place. Okay. And uh, I really liked the people. And uh, my mentor said, you want to have your own franchise. You don't want to go to New York and be one of thousands. You Mm want to, you know run something. Mm-hmm. And he was really right. I was so ready. They were so ready. And we we affected a lot of change there. Yeah. Downtown redevelopment. Their mm-hmm. downtown had really been struggling for a while. So we focused on historic preservation, uh, catalysts. Uh, Children's Museum was open, uh, artist lofts. I was the only one living downtown. I lived on Main <laughs> Street. I knew all the barbers. Right. They knew when I was late for work. And then um, we added lots of housing. If you don't yeah. get people living in these areas, then they never mm, really come true. around. So we did that. We looked at uh, what they call TNDs, traditional neighborhood developments okay. that are more um, compact development, uh, walkable. 
We did uh, environmental um, policies to, you know, address stormwater management, to urban forestry, to the landscape, all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. It was great. Mm. And then I got an opportunity to go to a bigger city in Richmond, Virginia. Mm -hmm. Wilder had just been elected mayor. And then I uh, was there five years, mm-hmm. and uh, same thing. We got we got a lot done. Really enjoyed my time, and we got to work with the state because they have so much property in downtown Richmond. Right. So, we worked on riverfront redevelopment uh, to create a continuous riverfront park along the James River. That's why Richmond is there because right. the river. Um, also looked at what we call form-based codes to allow developers to build by right if they would follow certain design mm-hmm. guidelines. So we had a great time there. And then I had an opportunity to go to Abu Dhabi because that's where you go after yeah, Richmond, uh, right? Uh, well, sounds, <laughs> sounds like a plan to me. <laughs> and it was great. I loved Abu Dhabi. I didn't want to live there, uh, you know, from, for the rest of my life. Nice but to for visit. a year, yes, yes. Really um, great uh, to just have a front row seat into life in the Middle East and what it's like and what it's not like. There are a lot of myths about how people live there. Well, I was gonna say Abu big, Dhabi is very open. Big change from Richmond to Abu Dhabi. Or, <laughs> yes, no. Uh, and it, I mean, imagine it was uh, back in the 40s and 15s, uh, fif- for, let's say 40s and 50s, it was a uh, Bedouin desert, mm-hmm. 1,500 people. Today, it's almost a million and a half people. Right. Imagine going from 50 to that much yeah. um, in in that short short amount of time and having to create a country, plan the cities, uh, develop DOT, yeah. all, all these things. So yeah. it, was, it was really uh, fascinating. Then I came back and got the opportunity to go to Oakland to oversee their planning and building department. Mm-hmm. And uh, that too was, was fabulous. I'd always uh, been interested in California and they advertised, and so right, I went. Right. And uh, <laughs> it was a really good time because Oakland had suffered during the Great Recession, and now we're coming out of that. Mm. And same things, downtown redevelopment, uh, the waterfront development, um, creating good transportation. They put in a BRT on one of their main east-west uh, routes. Uh, so we got a lot done. When I came, there were 500 units under construction. When I left, we were at five or 6,000. Wow. Yeah. It was great. This sounds like a theme here going on, all these jobs you've had, you know, downtown redevelopment, you know, helping to build something out of maybe not nothing, but, you know, something that, that wasn't there. Was that is that like a challenge that you enjoy or is that just happen of the circumstance? Yeah, it's a common theme. So America's cities uh, really suffered after World War II. People started to come to the suburbs, places like Fairfax. Mm -hmm. And um, we're really the only country where that happened. When you think about Europe, Mm -hmm. they never abandoned their cities. Um, But uh, we were a different kind of country, a newer country. We're always looking for that next frontier. So the automobile played a huge role in that. And people wanted to go to greener pastures. And there were issues, you know, inner city um, matters. So we we just saw um, a depletion. And Mm -hmm. yeah, cities are some of our greatest assets. Mm -hmm. That's where you bring everything together, business, culture, innovation. And so starting in the 80s, there was a renewed interest in coming back. We realized what we had lost. And people often naturally want to be near each other. That's how we, you know, share ideas, spark new ideas, grow our economies, um, expand culture, bring diversity to a place. So having a strong core is really essential. Mm -hmm. And when you don't have that... um, you know, you're, you're, you're just a, a little too spread out right. and you don't have that focus. So 
when you had a place like Lynchburg with a 200-and-some-year-old downtown, gorgeous architecture, amazing history, you don't want to let that go. Mm-hmm. And it, it didn't take much. I mean, we just mm-hmm. had to put our minds to it right. and say, we're going to focus on this. And we we created a plan, got the community behind it, and then we just made sure we implemented it. Mm-hmm. And then with Richmond, they had already started um, their efforts on downtown revitalization, okay. so we added to that. I, I thought there were some... Critical things missing, like the connection to the riverfront, mm. like um, better transportation. So they also right. put a BRT in. Um, and again, and bus rapid transit. That's right. Okay. Yes, thank you. Um, and um, you know, like like uh, I was talking about Lynchburg, that core of Richmond. You know, being mm-hmm. the state capital, mm-hmm. it's huge. And when people think of a place, they don't typically think of a parking lot with a strip shopping center. Right. They think of a real place like Jefferson's Capital like the James River, like uh, in Lynchburg, it would be Ninth Street and the Monument Terrace, which is this gorgeous grand staircase right downtown. So those are the things that make places unique and special, Mm -hmm. and we need to focus on that. And I don't think it's any coincidence that here in Fairfax, now there's this real focus on Tyson's, and that's becoming our downtown. I was going to ask you, what what is Fairfax County's core? Yeah, I would say that's one, but because it's so big, yeah. uh, 406 square miles, that's enormous, bigger than all of New York City. New York City, it's five boroughs, Interesting. a little over 300 square miles. So we're bigger than that. They have eight and a half million people. We have 1.2. Right. So we have a lot of room for growth is how we do it. Um, and how can we get people around? And linking land use and transportation is enormous. And that's so. where this position, the deputy county executive position, kind of kind of comes in because yes, some of some of your agencies, and I wanted to kind of go over this. You oversee the Department of Public Works and Environmental Services, the Department of Transportation, Park Authority, Department of Code Compliance, Land Development Services. And then a future agency that's going to be combining the Department of Planning and Zoning and the Office of Community Revitalization. So I have all that. All that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder you're so <laughs> yes, busy, yes, right? Yes, I do. I got to go. Um, yeah, that's what uh, when you mentioned earlier what uh, what brought me to this position. So a couple things, as you said, I was at Google, and you know. The opportunity of a lifetime. How many how many folks get that to work? Good, that was Google? gonna be one of the questions. Why leave Google and come to Fairfax County? I know. Um, so when I was contacted by them, I first of all didn't believe. Uh, I thought it was a right. prank call. <laughs> yes. And then next thing you know, I was there. Um, and again it was a great honor to have a front row seat and, mm. you know, a company of international fame and um, incredible innovation and thinking. Um, so two things. One, I really love the public sector. It's really what I do best. And uh, not that I don't like or appreciate uh, the private sector. Uh, there are many, you know, many good things about it. But for me, I feel like I can have the biggest impact as a public official. So that's mm-hmm. one. Um, and two, when I uh, went to California, my husband stayed here in Virginia. He's a lawyer here. And I got the job. I said, Oh, honey, remember that job I applied for in California? (laughs) Bye. And he was a great sport. He's like, go. That's a great opportunity. Same thing with Abu Dhabi. You know, he's always been behind me. And he's a steady Eddie and, you know, he, uh, you know, does his work. But he also knew he'd be retiring. And so he did. And he came out to California a lot more. Then uh, some folks approached him and he decided to run for prosecutor in Albemarle County. So vote for Jim. (laughs) And 
I really wanted to be there for him. He was right. there for me when right. I went right. off jet set it around the world and wanted to be back nearby. Mm-hmm. So instead of five-hour flight, I'm a two-hour drive. So gotcha. he's near Charlottesville. Gotcha. And uh, so it was a combination of those two. And then actually a third thing was the job and all the things it brought together that I had been working on, mm-hmm. but not necessarily over. So planning a building, I'd been over that, economic development. Right. But transportation, I think this is a really key matter in where we are today and mm-hmm. our planning efforts that we, for so many years, have separated transportation and land right, use. Right. And it's a great time now because we know so much more. Because, right. you know, when you think about uh, you know, the invention of cities in the world. So cities are over six, 7,000 years old. And for thousands of years, it was all pet focused, right? And you mm-hmm. rode a horse sometimes or a boat. Mm-hmm. But it was really, and that's what, how land uses develop because you had to be able to walk there. Um, if it took a little longer, you took a horse, but that, that was like going from town to town, right, right? right? You didn't have what we have today. Then when the car came around, it really changed land use patterns. And we thought it would be the be-all, end-all. It's so convenient. It's an incredible invention. But it's not that old. It's only like 100 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've had to learn uh, the hard way what the downside to that was. When they designed these highways, they put in the Beltway in the 60s and the toll road and then mm-hmm. 66. We didn't think people would be sitting in traffic. It yeah. was not designed. Right. And, and then because what happened when those roads went in – because transportation has such a huge impact on land use, mm-hmm. then people started developing further out and further out and mm-hmm. further out, right? And it was allowed. And then we're like, uh-oh, look what's happened here. Get from there to there. Yes. <laughs> and so now a ton of research has been done. Again, it's a great time to be doing this work because we know so much more. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to shift uh, our thinking on how we – measure traffic. You know, what does that mean? Do we only measure what the automobile is doing? Or do we also think about the pedestrian and the cyclist and the transit Mm -hmm. rider? And how do we, quote, measure that? And how do we uh, induce ped Mm -hmm. activity and cyclist activity? And so, um, again, a lot of research out there, and we're we're being able to apply that and look at the two separately. We can't treat transportation like a utility pipe anymore, where the street is one thing and you just get the cars through and the land use is another. They're very much integrated. You think about the great cities in the world, you know, Paris streets and the built environment are, um, you know, completely tied in. New York City, San Francisco, all, all the great places that people think about. And Fairfax is great, too. But what we're hearing a lot more is people want to be able to walk more, use transit. They mm-hmm. don't want to have to be as car dependent. Mm-hmm. A lot of millennials aren't even getting their licenses or, or owning right. cars. Right. And so if we want to attract them, then we have to start thinking about what kind of place do they want to be in. And an interesting trend is that um, millennials are often deciding where they want to live before they get the job. They're like, oh, I want to live in mm-hmm. – I really like Austin or I really like Denver or – and they move there, then they get the job. Wow. That's a sign of a, a robust economy. I don't know that that will always be the case, but assuming it is, and it will be for a while, what can Fairfax do to say, we attracted that person? Mm-hmm. So, And also, what comes to their mind when they think about Fairfax? We right. don't have an Eiffel Tower. We don't have our Chrysler building. <laughs> right. You know, we don't have... Um, uh, you know, what... Well, in San Francisco, what comes to mind when you think of San Francisco? Mm-hmm. Do you have an image? Golden Gate, I guess. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so things like that. So what yeah. what do we have uh, that would uh, 
put us on the map in that right. regard. And I think Tyson's is the start to that and other things. We have like uh, Mount Vernon, but right. that's not like a, an urban center that right. you know someone would move here for. So that kind of thing, we, we need to think about so, that. Okay, so economic success, job development, tourism, it roads, all these fit together. Yes. But then I'm going to go to one of your, your last response where you asked the question, how, how, how? So the, I'll just ask you the question then. <laughs> how do we make all this work? How do we get to where you're envisioning that we need to get to? I think we have to bring all the players together. So when we, uh, for example, design a street, we don't – today what the measure is, and this was developed in the 1950s by a group of engineers um, that said we'll, we'll base our street designs on what's called LOS, level of service. I just left okay. a meeting where we were talking about this for an hour. Okay. Now, does that mean level of service for the car, the yes. number of cars coming? Exactly. Okay. Yes. Okay. And okay. it says that for, for motor vehicle use. Uh, okay. And so what they came up with was A through F. And if if it's if you have to wait more than fifty five seconds uh, or eighty seconds, it goes from an E to an F. Well, how was that decided, and who decided what failure is? But when they were doing that, they didn't have to think about pedestrians. They didn't have to think about cyclists. Mm -hmm. Transit um, use was changing. We were pulling up the streetcars. A lot of these areas right, were designed right, as streetcar right. suburbs, and we were pulling those up because we thought, who needs that when you got yeah, the got car? A car right? Yeah. And again, we never pictured the, the, the traffic like what we're seeing today. Um, so w that's one way to measure. But then what about um, the environmental consequences of that? Because what L LOS will tell you is keep adding more lanes. Well, there comes a right. point when you can't – you just can't add anymore because people own property there right. or it's just not no practicable, more, no more right? Room, right? Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve lanes. And so – And if you build them, they will fill. Well, that's the other thing, yeah. right? That you never really solve the traffic problem, right? right? So then how do you look at um, uh, blending this with other uses? So we got to think about the environment. All that impervious surface, mm -hmm. there are lots of stormwater management issues in the county. Mm. And we uh, we have to consider that. Every time you add an extra right turn lane, like, well, what's wrong with that? Well, someone's paying for that. Someone has to maintain that. And then there's the runoff. Second thing is then you've just made a wider intersection for a pedestrian or a cyclist. So mm -hmm. maybe they're not going to cross that street. Mm -hmm. They don't, you know, you think of um, like Old Town and uh, the tight grid of streets they have, and you cross maybe four lanes, and then there might be a, a lane or two of on-street parking, but it, it's humanized, and you, you feel very comfortable mm -hmm. walking. But if it's something is 12 lanes and cars are going very fast, you don't feel as welcome right. there. Right. Pedestrians know where they're wanted, and they know where to stay away. Number one cause of death for youth in our country is automobile accidents, mm. whether you're hit by one or you're in a car. And so that's pretty serious. Mm -hmm. And we need to think of ways to make it safer. So slow down the traffic, get more people out of their cars, give them choices. Mm -hmm. You know, people want to drive fine, right. but truly give them choices so the pedestrian has equal uh, value mm -hmm. on the street. Mm -hmm. The cyclist has equal value. Right. The transit rider has equal value. So if we only look at LOS, we're not looking at economic development, we're not looking at the environmental consequences, we're not looking at health consequences, what's happened because we're not walking as much or biking right. as much, um, and we're not looking at uh, safety, 
what I just mentioned about uh, what happens with pedestrians. So all of that, I think, has to get put in to mm -hmm. the formula rather right. than just this one measure. Right. And what's great is people are realizing this. Uh, I think the DOTs are realizing it. Certainly our DOT, Fairfax DOT, run by Tom Bashadney, and he's terrific, and he's got a great staff that is really starting to look at alternatives and how do we consider true multimodal travel. Mm. And Fairfax could really be a national model for shifting suburbia mm. into um, uh, you know, truly mixed-use, multimodal place that didn't start that way. Most mm -hmm. places, you look at D.C., it was planned. There yeah. was a grid. Right. New York City, it was planned. There was a grid. Um, Chicago, uh, San Francisco, whatnot. But here, it was really built on the highway system and mm -hmm. major arterials. Gotcha. And then later, the little grids came in, but it was mostly subdivisions, mm -hmm. and a lot of that was called de sac so we didn't have the connectivity. So we're very dependent on these major roads. Well, right. how can we increase our network so we have more options on how to get around? Right. And I think that's what they're doing at Tyson's. So they changed the DOT standards to a more urban standard, mm. which means narrower lanes, slower traffic, okay. less lanes, more connectivity, helping the pedestrian feel comfortable there, come out. And then when you do that, guess what? Land uses start to appear. They're like, you have all these pedestrians on this street? I'm going to open a shop. But if everyone's going by at 50 miles an hour, right. they're not going to open a right. shop, right? right. Um, and so, and also um, economically for people who can't afford a car or who right. don't want one, right. you know, for whatever reason. Like if you live in New York City, you're like, I'm not, I'm not getting a car. You can't really can't afford it. Right. Um, but also... Uh, People under 16 can't drive, so our youth, we owe it to them to give them options. People who are older, you know, people like you and me, we're, you're a baby boomer, yeah. Um, we probably shouldn't be driving in you know, <laughs> 10 or 20 years. Right. And so how do we help those people have options? And what we're seeing is a lot of right. baby boomers are moving to these towns right. that are walkable. Right. Um, and so... And then you got people who have disabilities that can't drive or can't or can't afford it. That's a big chunk yeah, of yeah. of our population. So, how do we um, give them as many options to travel mm -hmm. um, in a safe um, and beautiful way? Right. That's the other thing. Right. You know, not just okay. Here's your here's your sidewalk. Good luck. But no, here's your sidewalk. We thought about this from the very beginning when we designed the street. We thought about everyone. Mm. and the land use is right. associated. We're talking with Rachel Flynn. She is Deputy County Executive for Fairfax County. Again, been on the job since February 4th, and uh, it already sounds like I am glad I am not in your position, and I'm <laughs> glad you have it, <laughs> because all these things are like, wow, how are we it's going exciting. to... That's a great way to look it's at it. It's exciting. We have a great board of supervisors and people who are running. They're very yeah. passionate. They're very thoughtful. I'm really impressed with the high level of discussion mm -hmm. and thought that goes into every topic right. uh, at meetings I've been to. Yeah. So that's terrific. And then, of course, we have great leadership under Brian Hill, the county executive, and then Joe Mondoro, CFO, and Tisha Deegan over HHS, and Dave Rohr over public safety. So Brian's built a really great team. Mm -hmm. And that's hugely important. If right. you don't have an aligned team where you all trust each other and right. you know value what each person brings to the table, it can be challenging. Right. But we have that. So we right. have a great foundation. There's three. There, there is a county executive, um, works for the Board of Supervisors, and then there's three deputy county executives. You mentioned Dave Rohr, public safety, Tisha Deegan, health and human services. 
and you. Planning uh, and development. Planning. And then Joe, uh, he's kind of a county deputy county executive, but his official title is chief financial officer. Right. So he used to be over uh, Department of Management and Budget, DMB. Right. right. And but he has uh, several other departments now, like right. DIT and others. Right. Mm-hmm. So planning and development area, which you have already described, a lot of infrastructure, roads, but all of this working together for economic success, pedestrian safety. There is a lot of overlap. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know many years ago there was this term stovepipe. Everybody get out of your stovepipe, you know, so that you're not concentrating just on your one area and think about how your decision affects other areas and other agencies, et cetera. This is a general broad we, are we, Fairfax County, state of Virginia, et cetera, country. Are we getting more to be unstovepiped and not be thinking that way and thinking about everything that we do has a ripple effect, in other words? Yes, and we have to. There's just no choice. So um, through the ESSP, the Economic Success Strategic Plan, okay. I've learned a lot of acronyms in two months. That's right. If you you're want doing, to know any, I think I know most of them now. <laughs> um, they uh, decided, okay, we need to th- a, think strategically. Let's step back, You know, look at the big picture, mm-hmm. and then let's narrow down and uh, zoom in to look at specific items. So they came up with a set of goals and action items. And then the Economic Advisory Committee was created to make sure that it got implemented. And um, part of that is uh, Fairfax First came out of it because we wanted to uh, improve services to the public so they would have predictability, speed, consistency in permitting um, to help people. You know, it's always what does the public sector need to do to help the private sector succeed? We Mm -hmm. need each other, right? So the private sector creates wealth jobs, um, innovation, and the public service makes sure that people are safe. It's the health, safety, and welfare of the population, mm-hmm. you know. So a factory wants to come, okay, but how do you do it in a way that doesn't compromise the health of our citizens? Mm-hmm. Um, a shopping center wants to open, how do you do it in a way that we were just talking about? Right. Truly walkable. How about some other uses? Let's not make it just car dependent. Let's right. make it a whole community like Mosaic. Do, do so s- that's our job. Do some of these things though require require a mind shift? Because I know yes. I I grew up with yes. with the age of the car, that's and, right. and I never thought about walking anywhere, no. biking anywhere. So I'm kind of an old fuddy duddy, and I still kind of don't think that way. And where do so, you live? Uh, I grew up in North Carolina. Okay, in a city or a small in a town? City. Or? City. Okay, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Same thing. I grew up in Silver Spring, out in the suburbs. And my mom grew up in New York City, Irish immigrant family, and my dad grew up in Chicago and then Minneapolis. And my mom, uh, you know, there were six of us, so she was busy. Uh, and we'd be like, we have to get to the pool. She's like, well, we'll walk. And we're like, do you know where we live? <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> this isn't New York City. <laughs> right. And when she grew up, she could go anywhere, she said, for a nickel, because that's what it cost right. to take the subway. All and right. then you would just walk everywhere from there. So it was a very different uh, yeah. situation. We were we were pretty bike dependent. Like mm-hmm. if we had a friend a couple miles away, okay, bike. But yeah, you just um, learn to deal. You didn't yeah. even think about it. You're like, right. oh, why isn't a shopping center right here? Mm-hmm. Like, why can't I... Um, 
uh, go to the corner store. We actually started one as a little business venture in the summers. Right, right. <laughs> the Flynn Sweet Shop. We'd eat everything. Um, <laughs> eat all the profits. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that's what's happened. It was a big experiment, really. Mm-hmm. We thought it would work. And it goes back to it was a famous zoning case called Euclid versus the city of Amber in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. I believe it was Illinois. It's called Euclidean zoning. And they made it legal to have separate uses. And the reason hmm. was because of the industrial uh, nature of certain uses. You didn't want to live next to the factory. No. Um, it wasn't safe. And so before that, you know, you lived where you work. You know, you had your uh, shoemaker shop and mm-hmm. mom and dad mm-hmm. lived upstairs or the farm. You know, you lived and worked on the farm and you'd go into town to buy stuff. But then all that changed with the Industrial Revolution. So we had to get certain uses away from each other and then add the automobile to that. And then you could separate uses, right? So Euclidean zoning said, yes, you can put like your shopping centers here. You can put your office park there. You can put your subdivision here and you can put, you know, the factories over there. And it worked until we started running into the trouble of Mm. all the things I mentioned. So traffic, which wasn't part of the picture, safety, health, the environment, uh, and sense of place. Yeah. Um, you know, we just – people are really drawn to that sense of place. I think mm-hmm. that's why Mosaic has been such a big hit right. and why Tyson's is becoming right. that way because right. they want to feel like they're in a place that, that feels good. You have lots of choices of on what community. to do and play. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Everything seems to come come back around at some point in, in life, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. And, and again, you know, cities six, 7,000 years old. This has been a, a pretty short experiment since post-World War II mm. when we really started changing right. the road networks, putting in the highway with the, the Highway Act. Gotcha. Um, and then uh, really pulling up public transit um, surface anyway, not subways. Um, and so fortunately, we kind of caught on quickly. We're like, you know, this isn't really working um, t- to a certain degree. There are some things that work about it. It's convenient. Uh, for some. So by the 80s, so you think post-World War II, so 40 years, we kind of figured it out. And then a group called the Congress for New Urbanism was Mm. formed and some of the great thinkers and planning. And they said, we have got to do this a different way. So they started Mm. requesting zoning changes so that you could have mixed-use development. Because prior to that, um, most places it wasn't allowed. And so most cities have or counties localities have changed their zoning and we're certainly like that as well so we have to partner with developers because you know they go around and look at other developments throughout the country and they're like huh i want to do one here in fairfax so that's how mosaic came around plus we have staff who's going around looking at what's going on in the nation um that was how um the reston uh developments have occurred so from the town center to the Wheelie Station. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we haven't even talked about Metro and its extension, but yeah. that's huge. Yeah. And hats off to the people in um, Fairfax County DOT and the role they played in uh, right. making sure that happened here and just the region as a whole. That's right. huge yeah. when you invest you know, millions and millions of dollars right. for the public to Absolutely. make sure they can travel in a way that's not car dependent. Right. I, I mean, hats off to them. That That's a huge effort. Right. Well, we'll definitely have to uh, get you back on the Connect with County Leaders uh, podcast, maybe after you've been here more than a couple of months. Okay, every two months. (laughs) (laughs) To talk about this kind of stuff, because unfortunately, we are out of time. But I do want to give you like the final 30 seconds, uh, final thought from you. I had had wanted to ask you uh, goals or things you want to try to accomplish, but I'll just just throw an open-ended question, any kind of final thought from you as we wrap up our conversation. 
Uh, well, thanks for a having me. It's sure, uh, it's always uh, so important to talk about these issues. Mm. And to that end, one of my biggest goals is to reach out to the community, find out uh, what they want. Uh, you know, where they see we could improve. What is working? What's not working? Mm-hmm. And uh, the county executive, Brian Hill, uh, initiated the strategic plan to help us with right. that very effort. And I hope uh, most people listening participated. But if not, there might be another round for them to do so. It was really fun exercise, particularly if you were at the hands-on mm-hmm. event uh, where you got to talk to fellow citizens. And that's really what it's about. And as staff, because we do this every day, sometimes we forget that we have to educate folks on on what's happening and what best practices are and show them places where it's working because they have a certain thought in their minds right. and we have to respect that. That's their experience, their knowledge. And it's our job to give them more information and show them other ways to do this so we can all get to the end goal, which is to have a great quality of life. Yeah. So Awesome. Yeah. Rachel, thanks for being with us. Oh, thank you, Jim. Absolutely. Uh, Rachel Flynn, Deputy County Executive with us on the Connect with County Leaders podcast. I remind you that uh, next month, the month of May, uh, County Executive Brian Hill will be back with us on the podcast. So thanks for listening, everybody. This has been the Connect with County Leaders podcast. To listen to other great Fairfax County podcasts, visit fairfaxcounty.gov slash podcasts. And for additional audio content, tune into Fairfax County Government Radio at fairfaxcounty.gov radio. For more Fairfax County news and event information, visit News Center online at fairfaxcounty.gov news. You also may call 703-Fairfax. That's 703-324-7329. Weekdays between 8 a.m. and 4.30 p.m or email publicaffairs at fairfaxcounty.gov. The Connect with County Leaders podcast is produced by the Fairfax County, Virginia government.